The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of Roundball Ramble. I'm your host Corbin Ford. You know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Hoop ball presentation, as you already know. So check out Hoop Ball, hoop-ball.com online hoop ball tweets on twitter make sure you get all the fancy contents you need to level up this season it's still going you want to know the plays you want to know you know who to sit who to run out there what should be looking at moving forward how different moves and injuries impact your team's fantasy success that's what hoop ball's for so check out the dimension package they got going on there the hoop ball 360 find out more about that the shining jewel in that whole array to me is the hoop ball discord chat so definitely make sure that you get on that looking at that and and, and really get the most out of it there all right y'all we had a crazy slate of games last night it was it was a ton it was a ton um we had a game where bradley beal scored 47 and (laughs) his team still lost with double digits we had the lakers road streak snapped by a 76ers team and a Joel Embiid that looks MVP worthy, dare I say that. Had some good games in Atlanta against the Nets. We we, we had we had a we had a run of games. So let's let's get down to it. Let's talk about some of the stuff. Let's start with the Utah Jazz. The Jazz have been just rolling. They've now won ten straight games. They defeated the Mavericks yesterday, one sixteen, one oh four, without I might add, without Donovan Mitchell, who's out due to concussion protocol. Rudy Gobert stepped up in a major way. 29 points, 20 rebounds, 3 blocks. While Jordan Clarkson, who we have to talk about this coming up, but he's on the short list of 6th man of the year right now. Uh, he had 31 points in the victory for Utah. In defeat, Luka Doncic had 30 points, 4 rebounds, and 6 assists. But let's be real, the Mavericks are so short-handed as of now. I'm not super concerned. You know, guys that... They don't have that will be coming in and making an impact, you know. So between Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, um, they're playing guys. They're relying on guys that they didn't think they have to rely on as much. They're getting a lot out of James Johnson. And mind you, he's been good. He's been really, really good for them. But I mean, in terms of the production that they're being forced to ask from him, that's not what they expected at all. So, yeah, this is where the Jazz are right now. And, and, and I mean, this is where the Mavericks are right now. Everyone's talking about the Jazz and. Let me pause real quick because, you know, everyone's like, wow, the Jazz, they're on a mission. The Jazz, you know, they, they're, they're, are they finals contenders? Uh, let's pump the brakes on that real quick. And this is why I say that. The Jazz have to win the games, right? And they have. So that's great. Of those 10 wins they've had so far, half of them have been against teams under 500. So you've had the Knicks, you've had the Cavs, you've had Detroit, you have the Pelicans twice. And two were against Golden State. Golden State's kind of iffy in there for me, all right? So the Knicks have been playing better. The Cavs have been playing better, but both teams are still not great. Detroit, they are literally, they would be the worst team in the NBA if a team called the Washington Wizards didn't exist. The Pelicans, they've had some moments, but they've also been pretty disappointing. Golden State, eh, right? And then you had the Hawks in the one game where Trey was kind of acting out and went 1-4-11 in that little mini slump slash uh, tantrum. So, I don't know if I look at them and I look at the Western Conference hierarchy and I go, okay, you know what? Then the Jazz can really give. They can really be a threat to the Lakers or the Ca- or the Clippers. I don't see that right now. I mean, maybe I'm underestimating them. It's quite possible. But when I look at the Lakers, I look at the Clippers. Look at the way they've been playing. Even with the Lakers in the most recent loss, we'll get to that in a second. I see them as a clear level above the Utah Jazz. 
They've been playing great. Donovan Mitchell has been sensational when he's played. Rudy Gobert and, and the supporting cast of the Jazz have been very, very solid. But I just want to see it against, I guess, stiffer competition. Because right now, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Pistons, the Pelicans, and Golden State in, in Atlanta, that isn't doing it to me. That isn't doing it for me. You have a few people that you can look at and go, okay, a few teams that go, wow, that, that's an interesting game. But, I mean, even the way they stormed back against the Knicks, they went from a double-digit deficit, they were down like 14 or whatever, to come back and win. On the one hand, look at them with their resolve, getting back in this game, making it making it a victory for them, a, dom- a dominant one for them. On the other hand, as scrappy as the Knicks have been, they are the Knicks. And it took Austin Rivers having a career-high first half for for them to have that. Like it, it feels to me that there's some mitigating factors out there that I don't know. I guess I, you look at Cleveland, you look at other teams for me that are winning. And yes, these are bad teams, so it's not a direct uh, correlation. It's not a direct comparison. But you have teams that are winning, and you're like, okay, you know what? There's something tangible I can draw from this that's going to move forward. Utah has that. It's just the competition that they're playing. Then I'm like, okay, I don't know. That being said, they're winning the games that are in front of them. That's all you can do. That's what Utah's done, and they've done it 10 times in a row. So <laughs> there we are with that. <laughs> no complaints there. Just something I'm monitoring. I really just want to see uh, how Utah shakes out moving forward. You know? Because the stretch of games they have, they have the Mavericks again uh, tomorrow. Then they have the Nuggets. Those will be entering stretch of games. Then they go back with the Pistons, back with the Hawks. Hornets, Pacers. So you have three games that you can you could probably take care of, depending on if you you know take care of business against the Mavericks and the Nuggets uh, over the weekend. You could potentially build this up to like 14 straight between the Pistons, the Hawks, and the Hornets. Now, mind you, Hawks, Hornets, and Pistons are all frisky, but the Jazz are better, right? Then you have the Celtics, then you have the Bucks, then you have the 76ers. Then the Clippers, back-to-back set. Then the Hornets and then the Lakers. So really, from February 9th to February 24th, that's what I'm looking at. Because that's going to be a stretch of games that really show where Utah is against real stiff competition. Celtics, Bucks, 76ers, two-game Clippers set, one game, uh, I guess you call it rest week against the Hornets, and then you have a game against the Lakers two days later. That's what I'm interested in seeing how the Jazz respond. So we'll, we'll stay tuned, but right now they're rolling. I'm just saying let's calm down before we start calling them anything more than what they are, which is a very solid basketball team. All right, Phoenix Suns, man. Ugh, what a, I mean, the Phoenix Suns were playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City is just so dang scrappy. They just are. It's just wild. Uh, the Suns were playing without Devin Booker. But still, it's Thunder, right? So it shouldn't be a problem. Suns built up a great lead. Didn't look like it was a mean issue at all. And then they just totally took their foot off the gas. And Oklahoma City stormed back and beat the Suns 102-97. to Shea Gilchrist-Alexander had 21 points, 7 rebounds, and 8 assists for the Thunder. Uh, while Chris Paul had one of his signature vintage Chris Paul games of a couple years back, you could say, mostly with the Rockets, uh, you know, maybe a performance or two against with the Thunder, uh, reminiscent of that, where he said, okay, our team's not really stepping up here, I'm going to put the team on my back and see what we can do. He put together 32 points, along with five rebounds and five assists, but it just wasn't enough. Um, and the Thunder team, they step up in different ways, you know. Uh, Gilgis Alexander's been, been the big um, catalyst of that, but you have Lou Dort, who's played well. Uh, you have I, I, Mr. Roby, who's been playing well. I mean, you guys go down the list. You you name them, and, and these guys for the Thunder have come through in major ways to um, contribute. Mike Muscala raining down uh, just fire from outside. You know, Darius Baisley. It, it's, it's been something to see. 
and for the Suns, you know, uh, Chris Paul had a great game. Mikael Bridges did not. <laughs> Jay Crowder did not. It's terms of shooting. And one guy who really did not continue his back and forth uneven play is one DeAndre Jordan, who or DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Ayton. I don't know why I keep saying that. Where it's like, dude, come on, you know, be that big dude. Mind you, it was one play where he was um posting up. I think it was Gilgis Alexander. I, I I'm not quite sure. And they were just defending him by like straight up pushing him with both their hands, like not even pretending to play defense, just pushing him. But I, I just I don't know. You had a, you had a week where. Aiden had been averaging 22 points and 15 rebounds over four games. And then, against Al Horford and Oklahoma City Thunder, he just throws in a total just flub of a game. Five points, 14 boards. I mean, I guess if you want to take something away, then, like, yeah, he got some rebounding, but when you're 7-1, I mean, my opinion, and it's probably old school, he's 6-11, is that you go walk into some rebounds. You know, let's look at this. Against the Nuggets, two games set. 27 points on 11 and 13 shooting, along with 13 rebounds on the 22nd. 23rd, 17 points on 50% shooting, 7 to 14. Knocked down a 3, 13 boards. Last night, 5 points, 2 of 7 shooting, 14 boards. That's it. 7 shots. Four nights ago, you converted 7. Now you've only attempted 7 in a game where, let's be real, you needed to be more aggressive. Chris Paul's being aggressive because he felt that there was no one else out there that was actually able to bring any good production to the table. Not for lack of trying for Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder, but they didn't have it. Shooting stats were very rough for the Phoenix Suns from there. What what do you want to do at that point? At that point, you have to demand the ball, be aggressive in that way, and make sure that you're at least getting yourself to the line, make an impact offensively on the glass. I mean, what are you going to do to contribute in other ways? But this constant stepping up and then receding and stepping up and then receding in terms of consistent play, that's not going to cut it. Especially for a guy in DeAndre Eaton who's supposed to be the cornerstone of this team alongside Evan Booker. Does he have the potential to do it? Of course he does. Of course he does. Has he done it? Come on now, y'all. We all know the answer to that, don't we? For Thunder... Uh, Alexander at 21, he was also matched with that production by Al Horford, who gave them 21-11 boards. Lou Dort, 14 points. Darius Baisley, 10.7 rebounds. Hamadou Diallo, 10.5 rebounds. Got a little bit of everything from these guys, and that's how Thunder have been playing so far. And they've been very solid. They're 8-9 and nine for a team that, I mean, let's face it, they're supposed to be in the bottom of the West. Bottom of the West in this scrap. Santino Spurs beat the Celtics. 110-106 Spurs were up by a good chunk. Like 15 at one point. Celtics came back. When you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that will happen. Jason Tatum, by the way, finished 25 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 steals. But ultimately, DeMar DeRozan, who has been so strong for the Spurs all season, had 21 points, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists. You got a really good game from LaMarcus Aldridge. You had great defensive plays down the stretch by DeJounte Murray, who had a very solid game as well. Just the Spurs have been solid. You had an Aldridge dunk in the third quarter. Blast from the past. One hand spike. It was legit. <laughs> Gotta love how the Spurs are playing right now. Definitely making themselves a candidate for the playoffs, a play-in game. Really good. And the Celtics, man, they're getting back. So, you know, got a few bumps in the road. But Kemba Walker's back. You know, Jalen Brown's been playing well, holding it down while Jason Tatum's been out for a, a good grip. Now he's back. Should be fun to see how they continue to work together now. Lakers. Had a 10-game road win streak. 
that was snapped by Tobias Harris. Okay, sort of by Joel Embiid at 28.6 rebounds and 6 assists, as well as Tobias Harris with 24 points and 7 rebounds, and was very aggressive in the early going. But Lakers were down. They basically were down by double digits once a quarter. And in the fourth quarter, they finally came back. Uh, LeBron hit AD, sweeping to the basket, for a basket with 11 seconds left. And then, what the 76ers do to respond? Well, they got Tobias Harris on a switch on Alex Caruso, who was out there defensively for them. Really good guy, as we know defensively, but it's still undersized, especially when matched up against 6'11 Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris kind of isolated for a second, rose up for the J, knocked it down with 2.4 seconds left in regulation. And that's how the 76ers beat the Lakers 107-106. Lakers didn't have a timeout. There was no way they were getting a reasonable shot from as far as they were. AD kind of stumbled, attempting to get a shot up. And it was rough. Lakers' effort, it kind of came and went. This is what I thought was interesting. And I was wondering about this when the Lakers made those moves. When you bring in a guy like Dennis Schroeder, when you bring in a guy like Montrezl Howe, you bring in a guy like Marc Gasol, those are good players. They accentuate the strengths that the Lakers already have. Uh, they make them more dangerous, more potent on the offensive end. And Marc Gasol in the basketball IQ and defensive end. By the way, Marc Gasol had a showcase in the first quarter where he had 5.3 assists, and he was just dropping dimes to LeBron. Dropping dimes, nice dunks. It was it was beautiful seeing how he reads and reacts, and it's clearly one of the best bigs. Oh, it has been for years one of the best passing big men in the NBA. But you, you, going back to my original point, you bring these guys in, right? And, and their strengths are, are noted: Montrezl Harrell, effort, energy, good rebounding, and great bench scoring. Six man of the year winner, Dennis Schroeder, uh, six man of the year runner up, but also a competent starting point guard who can put the team on his back for stretches offensively. He can get to the lane. You know, basically, in my mind, as a Lakers fan, uh, everything that the Lakers are hoping Ramon Sessions was back in uh, 2012. You don't know, now you do. Look that up. But here's the thing. You're not getting one of the keys that made the Lakers so great last year, which was their sheer size, their sheer athleticism. You get guys like AD, you get guys like Dwight Howard, you get guys like JaVale McGee. They play above the rim in terms of putting that vertical spacing, vertical spacing, uh, out there in different lineups. You have size that matches up and can be so, so imposing from a rebounding perspective, throwing different bodies out, different looks out, making it tough for different defenders. Yes, you're not getting any, you know, shooting from out there. Yes, you know, the playmaking isn't there. You got some guys who can get in foul trouble very easy. There are some knocks against that. But what they had was just the ability to say, okay, we're just going to get bigger than you. We're going to gobble up the rebounds. We're going to turn defense into offense. Lakers can do that here. They have one of the, I mean, the best defense out right now. Like, that's, that's definitely something they can do. They can dial it up. But the size that they had in terms of the rebounding and making their presence felt, that that's not there right now. It's not there right now. At least in my mind. When you see it against guys like Philadelphia, teams like Philadelphia, where they just have monsters on there. Joel Embiid, you know, at this stage in his career, Marcus Gasol isn't the Joel Embiid stopper. You know, Marcus Gasol is 35. I'd be 36. Joel Embiid's in his prime, right? So, and Marcus only playing 20, 25 minutes a game anyway. So, you kind of have that to look at, right? But he was the primary defender. Here was the primary defender on Joel Embiid when Marcus was out. Montrezl Harrell. What? Montrezl Harrell? What? Now, let's be real. Could throw Mar- Markeith Morris out there, right? Montrezl Harrell is already, as everyone knows, a pretty bad defender. Maybe post-defense is maybe one kind of okay spot for him, really, because it's not as bad as him being out in isolation or out in drop coverage, you know, so it's like pick your poison, and that's like the less offensive of the three options, but that's not great. Joel Embiid just went right through him. The very first play Joel Embiid had on Montrezl Harrell isolated on the right block, he just turned and drew a foul, just right up over the top, and that was him all night. He had 14 points in the first quarter. He was just cooking. 
Uh, he got a little rough later, and I think increased defensive pressure. Plus, he had what should have been a flagrant foul on LeBron, going up for a dunk. Uh, and B basically got pushed by LeBron, fell down hard on his back. And then someone who was already out a couple games for those types of injuries. So that was kind of rough. He did come back in the game, did finish down the stretch. But, you know, he was very effective in the beginning, cooled off later on. Same with Ben Simmons, who kept some of that production. But Ben Simmons from the jump was getting the basket and attacking hard. You could see he was on a mission. And for someone averaging 12 points and, you know, 7 boards, 7 assists, at least the 12 points part, glad that that was being able to be raised. Still can't shoot, we know that, but, you know, getting the ball in early offense, pushing it down the opponent's throat, getting to the ra- to the lane, get to the rim, again and again. That's what Simmons did in the early going of this game. It was really good to see from Philadelphia's perspective. But Philadelphia, man, they, they a little crazy. They a little crazy right now. They good. They are good. When Joel Embiid plays, they are monstrous. Obviously, when he doesn't, they are not great. But you have the, the blueprint that basically gave Philadelphia success last time that they tried to run this around. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, stable of good shooters, slash decent defenders. Danny Green had a big night. Seth Curry had a decent game. Got guys like that, Shake Milton, you know. The, the blueprint is there for how the 76ers can possibly get out of the East. It's out there. Just got to see how it all shakes out. The Hawks and the Nets had themselves a barn burner. Is that what you call it? High offensive game? I think so. Uh, anyway, Brooklyn won 132-128 in overtime. Trey Young in defeat had 28 points and 14 assists for the Hawks. But the Hawks, man, they got some really, really good play from some of the young guys. It was it was really reassuring to see. Uh, Cam Reddish had himself a good game. DeAndre Hunter had himself a great game. Uh, you know, they got production up and down the board from more than just Trey Young, who led the way even without having the, the prettiest scoring uh, box score numbers. But uh, DeAndre Hunter had 21 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. John Collins, 21 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Cam Reddish led with 24 after Trey Young, 24 points, 6 rebounds. Of course, we already mentioned the aforementioned Young, 28 points, 14 assists. But they got production from these guys. Five players in double figure six when you count my fault, Kevin Herter and Danilo Gallinari. So, you got good play from these guys. Gallinari, 11 points in 14 minutes, nothing else. No points, no rebounds, just came out, gave you some points. Yay. <laughs> Gotta love that. Uh, Kevin Herter made a big play down the stretch on Kevin Durant. Defensively to give the Hawks a chance. It was good, but ultimately, you know, the Hawks relied on Trey Young, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and Cam Reddish. Where the Nets said, okay, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, what you got? There's levels to it, right? For the record, Kevin Durant led the way, 32 points, 5 rebounds. Right behind him, James Harden, who's been playing so well in Brooklyn. 31 points, 8 rebounds, 15 assists. Kyrie Irving, 26 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. Not to be outdone by him. You got uh, double-digit points from DeAndre Jordan, who had 11. Bruce Brown, who had 12. And Jeff Green, who also had 11. So you had some complimentary... um, scoring from some of these guys as well to kind of buttress what you got from these big guys. Joe Harris had himself a rough game but played good defense, so that was solid there. And honestly, when you have the scoring kind of skewing the way it is, someone's going to have a game where they're just not going to get the points they're used to. These are monstrous points. 32 for Durant, 31 for Harden, 26 for Kyrie Irving. That's the Combined, that's 89 points. You still need some, but then you have double-digit points from guys like Jeff Green, you know, guys like Bruce Brown. That's going to help you out tremendously, right? And that's what happened. 
ultimately, these Nets-Hawks games have been very fun. Encouraging for Atlanta, still not being at full strength, you could say. You know, not having guys like Akungu, not having guys like Rondo. I mean, seeing how that would have worked out in general. You, you can make an excuse that, okay, wait till, you know, we get everyone in together. You know, you still don't have uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's been out of that fractured kneecap, remember that. So, yeah, that's encouraging. I mean, defensively, we already know what this Hawks team is or isn't. And I think we could say the same thing for the Brooklyn Nets, right? This this isn't rocket science. We know exactly the level they contribute on the defensive end. It's not it's not great, right? Bucks beat the Raptors one fifteen one oh eight. Giannis led the way with twenty four points, eighteen boards, nine assists. Chris Middleton has been the perfect sidekick for Milwaukee and really to come up in the clutch when Giannis can't make a free throw, whatever the case may be. Chris Milton at 24 points, 10 boards, 7 assists as well. For the Raptors, Kyle Lowry at 21 points, 6 boards, and 3 assists. The Raptors play the Kings uh, tomorrow on NBA League Pass, while the Bucks will do battle with the Pelicans tomorrow as well. So that will be an interesting game to look at. Sacramento Kings defeated the Magic, 121-107. Buddy Heald led the way for the Kings, 29 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. While De'Aaron Fox had 16 points, 8 rebounds, and 10 assists. In defeat for the Magic, Nikola Vucevic had 26 points and 9 boards. Again, remember, they're running a lot of that point guard play through rookie Cole Anthony, who's performed admirably, but let's be real. Like, this Magic team, it's, it's, it's trying to tread water and trying to find out, you know, winning the games it can and figuring out what they can do. I look at them to hopefully get somebody to kind of be able to play some of the offense through. I don't think it's a Clipper situation where it's like, oh, we don't really have a point guard in the traditional sense, but we'll be fine. No, no, I, I, I mm, no, just feel bad for them. Anyway, Kings will be clashing against the Raptors tomorrow while the Clippers will be back in town for the Magic also tomorrow. So that should be interesting. Uh, Cavs came back in a major way. Had the loss to the Lakers, came back and whooped the Pistons 122-107. Context and had 29 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Andre Drummond had a massive double-double, 23 points, 16 rebounds, and 5 steals. Uh, Jeremy Grant, you know, still a, a rough game for the Pistons and all, but Jeremy Grant's doing what Jeremy Grant's been doing, putting points on the board, 26 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists for the Pistons, who will next do battle against the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. Yep, second half of the back-to-back for the Lakers, and they have Detroit. We'll see how that happens. DeMontis' bonus, man, messed around. You know, got himself a triple-double. Pacers beat the Hornets, 116-106. So, Hornets at 22 points, 11 boards, 10 assists. That's the second triple-double of the season. That's the sixth of his career. While Terry Rozier, 20 points, 4 boards, and 3 assists for the Hornets. Solid game for the Pacers, the way that they play. Uh, they will be doing this again uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Pacers at Hornets. So, definitely make sure to check that out. And, yeah, that, that's been a, a nice little breeze through of the games that were on the night of the 27th. Let's look at what's going to happen tonight in terms of games. Remember, all times are Eastern. Let's get right to it. So, TNT games. Let's start with that first. 7.30, you have the Trailblazers versus the Rockets. That should be interesting. Definitely looking forward to seeing the Rockets with how John Wall is going to play, with how Victor Oladipo is going to play. Christian Wood is set to return. Again, sadly, a shorthanded Blazers team that is missing CJ McCollum, that is missing, you know, Zach Collins. They have guys that are out right now. Yusef Nurkic being the big one there. Um, not the biggest. That's CJ McCollum. But I'm just saying another big one. I didn't mean to put Zach Collins before Yusef Nurkic, but I did. That was an accident. <laughs> so you have that 730 Eastern. And then at 10 o'clock, you will have the Warriors 
uh, doing battle against the Phoenix Suns on the second night of the back-to-back. Both of these squads are. So it'll be interesting to see how they clash. Revenge game for Kelly Oubre. You hope that Devin Booker could play. That's kind of what you're looking at there. 8 o'clock, league pass. 14-5 Lakers are playing against a team whose record is uh, reversed of that. 4-14. and 14. So LeBron James versus Jeremy Grant. The marquee matchup we've all been waiting for, right? Okay. Clippers versus the Heat, also at 8 o'clock, league pass. Clippers will be without Kawhi Leonard. They will be without Paul George. They will be without Pat Beverly. I guess Miami Heat, that will also be without a few players as well. Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, others. So that will be a game. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say it's going to be a great game. It remains to be seen. That's why they play him. But uh, am I excited off the top? No. No, I'm not. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Last thing, y'all, I'm not saying free Bradley Beal, but when you score 47 points, but you lose uh, in a pretty lopsided loss, 124-106 to against the Pelicans, that's not great. Zion had like 20-plus points in the first half. Zion and Ingram both scored 32 each. Uh, it was it was, it was was rough, but, I mean, let's take a moment here. Yeah, you know, you can free Bradley Beal, yes. This is the, exactly what I talked about a couple shows ago, where... We have to focus on this one guy and create pressure. If Bradley Beal's not talking, his body language is talking, and it's saying a lot. But if he's not talking, it shouldn't be that big an issue. But yet, here we are, right? But you look at this team. Bradley Beal, 47 points. On, on good efficiency? Yeah, 45%. 17 to 37 from out there. 6 of 14 from 3. 4 rebounds, 6 assists for him, right? You see that. This is starting 5 for the Wizards. Ron Neto and Bradley Beal in the backcourt. Jordan Bell and Isaac Bonga in the front court. Robin Lopez at center. By the way, the four tandem of Bell and Bonga, the Bell Bonga, the Bell Bonga bang bang, right? I don't know. They combined to shoot three of 14, one of four from three. So, yeah, nine points from your front court. You did get 14 boards, but you got nine points. Robin Lopez did okay, 22 minutes, 14 points, uh, three rebounds. Solid. Raul Neto, you know, your backcourt mate, two points, two assists. One of seven shooting. You have better production from your bench, where Garrison Matthews had a good game, 15 points, hit some tough threes. Alex Len had 19 minutes before he fought out in a really rough flagrant on Zion. Well, not really rough in my mind, just rough for 2021 standards. But he had eight points, four rebounds, four assists for Len. You got better play from the bench. Jerome Robinson, eight points off the bench. You have better better play from the bench for if you're Washington than you did from the starters, and that's not super great. Ultimately, let's be real, this team is not a good team. When they get Russell Westbrook and others back, they probably still won't be a good team. Russell Westbrook is not the same right now. Whether you call that injury, whether you call that, you know, uh, just sudden age, uh, advanced decline, whatever the case may be, he's not he's not great right now. So do I say free Bradley Beal? I'm of the mindset that until Bradley Beal says hey or makes it known that he's looking to be traded, no. You don't. You don't. You hope this can turn around? Uh, you know, right now you are the worst team in the NBA just in general, so there is fading hope that you'll be able to rebound time for a playing game because you're going to lose enough games at a certain point that's not going to matter but for right now no just do what you can you know tread water here but let's stop with this trade bill nonsense yes bill deserves to be on a better team but we, we get all mad about these super teams and everything you know it's not fair and this in the league when people make their own decision but as long as we're calling the shots and we're the people wanting to trade guys away then it's all well and good like come on now also the Russell Westbrook slander, 163 points and 163 shots. If anyone else has an injury right now, we're all like, oh, but he's battling this injury, and oh, he's battling that injury. Knock it off, y'all. We get it. He's not efficient. Have you been looking for Westbrook as a bastion of efficiency? You've been looking at the wrong game for 10 years. He's not. He's not. What are we doing? What are we doing?
Now, granted, him being as bad as he is now, especially when you see how well Bradley Beal's been playing, juxtaposed with that play by Beal, yeah, no bueno. We get it. I understand that completely. But come on now, y'all. Like, have some nuance here. There's other mitigating factors that may contribute to his inefficiency. You know, him not being able to get to the rim as much as he'd like, maybe because he is battling injuries trying to work through. Not helping the team, obviously, because they're still losing. But, like, come on, y'all. Chill pills. They exist. Let's use them. Anyway, that'll do it here for me on a round the ball ramble. You know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out HoopBallHoop-Ball.com on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Make sure to check out Manscaped.com. Sponsor this show. Got the crop mops that you're looking for. Got the refined cologne that is just amazing. Definitely make sure to find that, Manscaped.com. And when you do, when you're ready to place an order and get those sweet goodies to your place, use the promo code HoopBall20, H-O-O-P. B-A-L-L-2-0 to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. That's HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. All right, y'all. Again, for me, I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And I will talk to y'all All right, y'all. This has been a HoopBall presentation.